Hey there, welcome to Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet on Twitter. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on Twitter. And we're here in the IndieWire offices because we write for IndieWire about television and tell you about television on this podcast. And thank you, IndieWire, of course, for giving us money to do those things. This is what we do. We write about TV, and what we're going to do now is talk about TV. We are, and specifically we're going to talk about uh, the upcoming... We, we're kind of in this... I mean, as as hard as it is these days to define seasons of television and define periods of time of television, we're definitely entering a new spurt of upcoming shows, both returning and brand new premieres. And in terms of talking about them, uh, we've already, if, if, when you are listening to this, we have just published our most anticipated shows of the summer that are brand new. Uh, but we're going to talk today about shows that are returning. New, new seasons of old favorites. Yeah. Continuation of stories already started instead of just whole brand new things that, that we have no clue, frankly, if it'll be good or bad. That could totally end up disappointing us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it could it could surprise us, too. We'll be optimists, but we'll also be pessimists. Just I depends mean, on the buzz. I mean, we're both optimists about, about ballers, right? Like, there's no way Dwayne The Rock Johnson can disappoint us. Yes, Liz. There's no way that The Rock could ever disappoint us. He's never made a bad movie like G.I. Joe Retaliation or that trucker How dare you speak against G.I. Joe Retaliation, the greatest love story of our time. Okay, if they just, like, cut the movie down to 15 minutes of Channing Tatum dating The Rock, which is in there, like, I mean, that is a real part of the film. That is, there's no question that they are in a committed domestic partnership raising The Rock's two children together. Which is great, and I loved that. I thought that was a wonderful thing to put in an action movie, but the action movie itself was a little disappointing, so... But no, anyway, let's just stay optimistic. The Rock in Ballers will be great. I mean, what was the tagline? It was like, get paid, get laid, have fun. How can you go wrong? How can you go wrong? There's there's certainly no way that that, an HBO show with a tagline similar to that could disappoint. Not a chance. Not a chance. But speaking of things that could end up going either way as well, I mean, the thing with season two two of a show is that, or season three or whatever we're looking at, is, you know, people, you know, creators want to make changes. Creators want to try some new stuff. And so we're looking at an upcoming slate of programming that could be as exciting as the seasons before or could be a complete train wreck. And based on our extensive knowledge of these creators, and mainly our gut feeling as of right now, related to the past seasons as well as the knowledge and etc. etc., we've actually ranked these wonderful returning programs from number seven to number one. Yes. In highly anticipated terms uh, for us personally yeah. at IndieWire. Yes. And uh, and and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that now. Yeah, so, we are. Okay, we are. Cool. But I, it's worth noting these are not the only shows returning, and no, there might be a lot of shows. There's returning. a lot of shows returning, and, and there might be new shows. There's a lot of just television in general. There's a lot of television, you guys. But here are seven shows that we're gonna highlight. For various reasons, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kick this off because this is this one's on this list because it's my fault. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so last summer, CBS put Halle Berry on television for 13 episodes for in a show called Extant, uh, which, which which is not a real word, which is a made up word. Of, uh, continue. Sorry. I just, no, it's okay. That's it's, still bugs me. 
It's, it is it is a weird word. I it is the thing with Extant was I reviewed the pilot and I found the pilot actually kind of interesting. I'm kind of a soft touch for you know not to dis, not to distant future narratives. Um, it kind of was playing the the show was playing with this idea of an astronaut dealing with mysterious new. An unexpected pregnancy um, which may or may not be alien in origin like you know this is a sort of you know it's an alien focused mystery uh, with conspiracy elements and cool future tech and uh, a pretty decent supporting cast so it was it was actually a fun show to check out um, initially initially and then I went back to watch more of it and it just got increasingly bonkers like I don't know I, I need this the end of the season it's like um, we've got robot. We've got robot children teaming up with uh, like alien or fighting against alien mold that's trying to take over the world. I'm. I, we we will properly reexamine what's going to happen. What 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 was going on with uh, Extant in its in the end of its first season before the season two pre- premieres. But season two, I, I'm very excited by the fact that they've decided to give the show a season two. Just because I don't know where they're going to go with it, but they sh- they didn't hold back too much. I mean, if you're a devout IndieWire reader, by now you've come to know that Liz and I exchange a lot of thoughts via GChat and messaging services. And a lot of the time, those chats consist of Liz telling me about shows that she's watching that are excessively crazy. And she describes them in usually pretty matter-of-fact terms because that only accentuates how bonkers they actually are, and that makes it extremely fun for me. So I have a soft spot in my heart for Extant just because of the way that Liz has described it to me while she's watching it, but I have not seen Extant. I don't know if I will in Season 2, but I am very excited to see just how crazy it gets. And, And really, getting back to your point, I mean there's something to be said about a tv show where you just don't know what's going to happen next maybe maybe mamie gumber will have maybe gumber has no legs Did you, i told you about that right she has no she has robot legs that's a thing that's in that show well, that's a thing that's an archer too i mean that's fine so i mean that is true it's just a normal thing you got to have a, car- a series regular with robot legs yeah i mean it's a great character in archer great character in extant i mean who knows what will happen next but i mean it, it's exciting that's a good good aspect of tv now exactly so speaking and i think it's also like a good show for summer because there is you know there is an inclination towards the the joy of a, a, a fun summer show where you, the pressure's kind of off and you don't really know what you're going to get out of it, but it's going to be fun. Speaking of which, what our number uh, item number six on our list. That was an excellent transition Thank to the number you. six on the list, which is largely there because of me, uh, which is Showtime's Penny Dreadful. I, um, I've had a soft spot in my heart for this as well, not because of how Liz has described it, but because I caught the premiere of it at South by Southwest last year. And I really enjoyed the premiere. Perhaps it was the audience. Perhaps it was uh, the actors and the way they described it. I like John Logan as a writer. I always have. Um, And frankly, it's kind of the perfect version of a horror story for me in that it's very cinematic, very artistic, great production design. It has scary moments. It has really thrilling parts, but it's not explicitly gory or gross. It's not the modern version of horror. It's very much... A period set version of that and the story is fun and they're going to keep kind of coming up with new 
adventures every year, and I find that a very appealing concept, especially for the core group that they've already assembled. I like Josh Hartnett as an actor. I love Ava Green as an actress. She's fantastic in the show. Um, anybody who's at all curious about it, just watch episode one and two of, of the first season. Uh, that second episode will blow your mind, at least when it comes to Eva Green. So, uh, so yeah, I'm very excited to see where they go in season three, or season two, I'm sorry. Um, I've watched the first two episodes, and they seem to be gearing up for this new villain. Um, season one didn't have a strong central villain like in place. Season two definitely has that. And it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic works with the characters, as well as uh, kind of the new twists and fun little turns that they've revealed uh, since the first season, and how that becomes a new uh, segment of the of the new season. So, uh, so yeah, I'm I'm very much looking forward to Penny Dreadful uh, every Sunday night on Showtime. On the bonker scale, how would you rate Penny Dreadful? Oh man, see that's really hard because with Extant, the way you talk to me about it, it seems like the show that doesn't take itself all that seriously. I mean, it takes itself seriously. I think, like, narratively, it actually, it hold, it has, like, a pretty strong point of view, and it has, it just, it's it just like they, it's, it, it, I think what, 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 what draws out the bonkers element in an extent is just kind of the fact that it's almost a kitchen sink, sinks worth of, of, of random, of random elements. Like, there are anti-robotics, uh, there's like an anti-robotics terrorist uh, running around that show. Like, that's the sort of thing that just happens. Uh, but, I mean, I imagine with, 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 with for anything I've heard about Penny Dreadful, like, there's there's a certain level of narrative consistency. Like, and it, But it's also pretty twist-filled. Like, does yeah. everything, anything happen that feels like, wait, what are you talking about? Well, sure, they've definitely had their fair share of twists that kind of pull the rug out from underneath you. Uh, spoiler territory for the next ten seconds. Uh, at the end of season one, you find out that Josh Hartnett is a werewolf. That's awesome. And I mean, they'd kind of hinted at this from the beginning, but not in a way that was so overt that it wasn't shocking to see him transform and then look at the Josh Hartnett version of a werewolf. Um, I have to say, I have to say Josh Hartnett as a werewolf is kind of an amazing selling point for this show that I wish I had known earlier. Well, that was the thing. It was something they held on to as a big twist, and they literally held on to it all season. And when I interviewed Hartnett at South By, he was talking to me about how Logan wouldn't tell him everything that Uh. went into his character. He wouldn't tell him everything about it. And I don't remember if, like, he wouldn't, like, I didn't know at the time he was a werewolf, so he didn't mention it. But I haven't looked back to see if that's specifically what he was talking about, and all of a sudden he found out that's who he was, or if that was more of the intricate, smaller parts of his his character. But, uh, but yeah, so to get back to your point, there is definitely, or there are definitely scenes that are kind of surprising, and there are twists, but they seem to enjoy more dropping in literary references Mm -hmm. which makes it seem almost more academic than than like cult goofy silly horror or or bonkers territory It, it tries to legitimize a lot of what it's doing so it doesn't feel as crazy as it could otherwise like this could have easily just been a mishmash of insanity like this could have gone to the soap opera heights of of any other show out there but they just chose to go in a different direction which has been fun for me I still have no idea how the horror community in general feels about this. I mean, I, I don't know who would be the, the spokesman for mm-hmm. talking about that, but uh, I, I mean, it's not what else is out there. It's not the strain. It's not. Well, it's it's taking like a period drama approach mm-hmm. to horror, which I, I think like, I mean, you can do 
you can have a modern modern day take on period horror, but it if you're going with a more mannered approach, that affects things. Though it's a more mannered approach, but apparently there's some full frontal. Yeah, and uh, I mean there was a lot of nudity in the first season. Don't get me wrong, but season two really took it to another level. I mean, not just in the sense that they're showing a naked dude, which frankly. Thank God. I mean, let's just get some equality out there for once in, in one show. Let's have, you know, going both ways. Yes. Anywhere, anywhere, uh, anywhere listenership, meet Ben Travers, feminist. Absolutely. Yes. 110%. Uh, and it's always, I mean, it's not something I'm looking for. It's not something I need on either end of the scale. But if you're going to do it, and, and I mean, season two also features bald, naked, scarred up, witches who attack people in droves. Nice. So, I mean, that's that's its own thing. And But if you're going to do that, you should have another side of the spectrum as well, and they seem to be trying to incorporate that. So, um, so yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of interesting things going on with Penny Dreadful. It's a fun movie, to, or a fun TV show to talk about. Awesome. Um, and it's kind of the opposite of number five on our Number list, five, yeah. Which we don't have a release date for yet, but I'm very excited for Sundance TV to bring back Rectify. Which is one of those shows that if if it, 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 it's a little bit of vegetable eating, I think. Like you know, it is it is it's the broccoli of uh, summer television shows. You're gonna feel good about you're gonna feel good about yourself for doing it, but you know, it's it's all there's no there's no cheese sauce equivalent to pour on to rectified. You're watching a very serious drama about very serious things and very serious people. Yeah, rectify is is very much. I, I'm hesitant to call it straightforward, but it's very much a traditional drama, at least in its construction. Mm-hmm. And I've had reactions all over the board when I tell people to watch Rectify. I actually had a friend of mine who I very much respect. Uh, she's a writer, and she is always looking at new TV for kind of examples of how to go her own way with it. And she came up to me at random, and she just goes, have you seen Rectify? Mm-hmm. And I was expecting, oh, good, another person to talk to Rectify about and get excited. And she goes, it was terrible. And I was Uh-oh. like, whoa, that's that's surprising. And then I've had a couple buddies of mine who really I've kind of thrown into the, they enjoy certain deeply dramatic, thoughtful TV shows, but more so are interested in the, the obviously engaging or fun television and they came up to me and they're like, Rectify, man, that show's fantastic. They, they were just addicted to it. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know exactly where that comes from. I've always just fallen in love with the cinematography, the pacing, and the acting on the show. I think all of the actors just are top tier. Um, I would support an Emmy's campaign for anyone across the board involved with this program. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's slow, and it's purposefully slow, yeah. which is interesting. I'm a huge fan of Abigail Spencer, I think. Oh, she's great. She is, like, I mean, she not, it's, it's, and actually, she's, she is terrifyingly talented, I think, just because she is so good on Rectify. I've seen, the, I've seen like, the, at least the first episode, and she's, she was, she was amazing in that. But she was also, you know, hilarious in the second season of Burning Love. <laughs> um, where yeah. she, uh, where no, no, she's in the first season, and the, but she does appear in the second season. But yeah, she is, you know, a comedy threat, a drama threat. Hopefully, she can't sing and dance because otherwise, she'll have to be put down. I mean, she just got picked up for some bigger project, and I feel bad not being able to say what it was. But I remember seeing her name attached to it, and I was like, "This is fantastic! This is I'm so glad to see her 
kind of get the the broader attention that she deserves because I mean I can't think of something where I wouldn't want to put her in it. Yeah, and it doesn't necessarily mean she can't keep doing Rectify. We oh live, no, we, not, live, we live in a magical no. world. We do, and and going back to the original point made on this program, we may not have TV seasons anymore. They may just be coming out whenever they can, whenever they can fit in across the board. But I mean, there's refreshing aspects of that, and part of it is getting to have actors from you know all fields come over and, and do what they can when they can do it. Right. Um, and this is an, and this number four on our list is another great example of uh, that kind of programming because it features two very high profile talents uh, who come together every once in a while for a little little show called Masters of Sex. Yes, two Showtime shows make the list. This is just how it is. Wow, that is that I is didn't true. Think about it until now, but boom. Yeah, Showtime, Showtime. way to go, Showtime. Getting it done in yeah. the summer. I mean, they're they're maxing out with returning shows. Is that is the helpful thing? Well, what's interesting too is what do you think? Which show do you think will have more nudity in this like what than this season? I mean, Master of Sex in season three, Penny Dreadfuls in season two. Penny Dreadful was pretty naked in the first oh, season, I, but now it's even more so. So can it compete with Masters of Sex when they've got sex on the table all the time? Well, Masters of Sex we haven't seen we haven't seen anything official from season three yet. It's still a couple sure. months out, but they're doing a time jump a couple of years ahead and a couple of significant years ahead so I imagine it's going to be a slightly more settled show in terms of its sexual antics if you will and that show has always been a show which is more about talking about sex than it is showing dramatic showing explicit sex acts I mean it doesn't of course shy away from that and there's some pretty notable examples of really compellingly done stuff but yeah I think I think I think Penny Dreadful will win the naked contest, if uh, that's what we're looking for. Way to go, Penny Dreadful! You did it. You and your naked, scarred-up witches are taking home a trophy. At least, at least when it comes to Showtime. <laughs> um, yeah, there'll be plenty of other nudity in, in yes. the rest of this list, but it's going to be a pretty naked summer overall. I think it's hot, Liz. I mean, what else are you going to do? Take off all your clothes and have a exactly. lot of sex on cable. Boom. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> they know drama. Um, yeah, I mean, sex. Masters of Sex is, I think, probably of all the shows, the hardest for me to talk about right now, just because it is a little bit far off in the distance. Right. But it stars Lizzie Kaplan and and, Mar- and Michael Sheen, and it features some amazing guest performers. Who, Allison Janney. Allison Janney, that got which got her led to her getting two uh, uh, Emmy nominations last year. Two Emmy wins. Two Emmy. She won. She won both. That's yeah. right. Yeah, so way to go, Alice and Janney. Way to go, Masters of Sex. Well deserved, Alice yes. and Janney. And I think I think we're looking at another compelling season of television from 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 those folks there. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things where even though we don't have any footage from those first two seasons, you can kind of just feel comfortable in your expectations. Yeah, you should know what's coming, even with a time jump, even with them trying to do some new things. I know that they're they've had some success with the Emmys, but they want to have more. Showtime wants to amp that show up, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they're going to keep keep going at it. Yeah, and I when I talked I talked with Michelle Ashford about it at um, TCA's last year, uh, TCA's last January, and she was. She laid out, you know, they, there was very little she could talk about at that point because it was six months away from premiering. They were still right. very deep into it. But she, the way she laid it out, like, it, it really is for them really about the relationship between Masters and Johnson and developing that, what, what, is, what was in the real world a very compelling and weird relationship. And in modern day times, it, it, even through their lens, is 
its own special beast. So it's as at least as a compelling portrait of a relationship between a man and a woman, I think we can expect a lot from the show. Well, going from a show on pay cable to a show that feels like it's on pay cable. <laughs> yes. Hannibal is Hannibal. coming back for yes. season Yes, Hannibal. On NBC? NBC. Shocking. I mean, Shocking. really, the, the things that have come up in Hannibal so far, I am amazed and impressed. You're just saying that because of that man-woman, man-woman, when Dingo five sub from last season. I mean, at the minimum, yes. <laughs> it was a dream sequence, I think. I, I mean, dreams or not, what they're doing with that show is incredibly impressive to me. And it goes back to not just you know what they're able to get away with because frankly you could push that boundary all day and just continue mm-hmm. going with the way that TV's going there's just more and more they're allowing us to do but uh, I mean this is an adaptation of uh, what four times adapted story I mean we've yeah. got Silence of the Lambs Hannibal that Red weird Dragon Hannibal prequel and then yeah Red Dragon um, and which, Manhunter and, and Man so five times adapt- ad- adapted and then you've got the books and all these stories out there I mean so there's a plethora of things to draw from but at the same time it's hard to do that for TV and Brian Fuller is just doing an incredible job I mean it is an addictive show mm-hmm. what, I, what I'm really excited about with season 3 of Hannibal is that they're not playing it safe we know we know a fair amount already from the direction about the direction they're going to go with season 3 that I'm not going to go into because it gets pretty spoilery especially if you haven't finished season 2 because season the events of the season 2 finale kind of kick off what should be a really, a really different and really exciting season three, like because the thing with Hannibal has always been that, you know, that show because it's a prequel, especially like that show has an end destination of some sort, and you know certain things about the direction it's sh- it, it it could go, but they're finding ways to play with that and explode explode the entire narrative that I think will be really exciting to see unfold. Yeah, and I mean. Liz, there's one really obvious reason why Hannibal Season 3 is going to be the best season of them all. Jillian Anderson is a series regular. Yep. So she's on the show every week now. Yes. And those and, and those who watched, who made sure to watch the end of, end of the credits of Season 2, the Season 2 finale, know that what her, the path she's going to be on is a very exciting one. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot going on with Hannibal right now that is that is just... Fascinating, And you mentioned that they aren't slowing down, that they're going to keep trying new things. And frankly, they're also in a position where they have to do this because they came close to cancellation in season two. And I mean... They've come. They've they always come close to exactly. cancellation. Exactly. They can't settle back on anything because there's nothing to settle back on. So I am very impressed and I admire their pedal-to-the-metal attitude of like, well, we're not going to slow down. We're not going to try to fix anything. We're going to go further with it. We're going to explore more things including some stuff that people might, you know, be more familiar with, like the specific storylines of Red Dragon or trying to bring in Clarice Starling, which they've tried to get the rights for, and they say they're close to doing if they don't haven't done it already. Um, so, I mean, they're going to keep going with the story the way that they want to tell it, and that's great. And for broadcast TV, it's even better. Yeah. Um, and also, it's I feel like it's worth noting, is this the first time that... Brian Fuller has had a season three of a show he's created. Oh my god! Um, I think I think him. I mean, because I, I think Dead Like Me went to season three seasons, but he wasn't involved with the third season. Um, 
gentle reader, if you're uh, just gentle listener, if you're listening to this and you want to write in and tell us how right or wrong I am about that statement, please do. But um, we're pretty sure that this is the first time he's had a, a third season, and that's very exciting just because now we get to see what a Brian Fuller's third season looks like. Absolutely. We've always wanted to, to yes. be clear, but now we actually get Pushing Daisies, so. Wonderfalls, like we've there have been so many times we could have seen it. Pushing Daisies. Oh, are you, are you okay? You want to... I'll be okay. We, we, should, we, we should move on. Though. We should move on. We've got two more shows to go. What's in at number two, Ben? Number two is True Detective, and that is <clears throat> sitting there at number two instead of number one, if only because expectations at this point have to be too high. We need to draw it back a little bit just because, I mean, season one was perfect. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what the Golden Globes say and that Fargo's a better show. I don't care what anybody at at the Emmys thinks and is going to give Breaking Bad uh, it's, it's going away present and beat it at the Emmys. True Detective season one was a thing to admire, a thing to treasure. And season two... It doesn't have to live up to it, but it's got to come close. Otherwise, people are going to be disappointed, and disappointment breeds contempt. And then contempt turns into nasty internet comments that I don't want to read. So I'm hoping that this is as good as it can be, Mm -hmm. but I'm very concerned that it'll be a little bit less. Would you say you fear it being less than season one? Because fear leads to anger, and anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. <laughs> Sorry. That actually sounds exactly like the trajectory of what would happen if True Detective Season 2 is a disappointment. So Yoda called it. I would be really sad. I mean, I would suffer. I would I would feel things inside of me. There would be people who would start mocking the first season and, and using the second season to draw away from the first season, which is a dumb thing to do, but it still happens. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot to look forward to in that show. The cast alone is is very talented. They may not be on the you know iconic level of a Matthew McConaughey in the in the hype of his career, like just the, the right. top form. But I mean, Colin Farrell is Colin Farrell. It, he did in Bruges. It's hard to take anything away from a guy who did in Bruges. And yeah. you've got Vince Vaughn trying to you know kind of reconnect, rediscover himself in a villain role, which will be fun. Rachel McAdams being a badass instead of being the typical rom com you know person that we've come to grow and love with i just uh and then i mean taylor kitsch he was in front night lights that's really all we need to say that's really all we need to say um i'm just remembering the day that colin farrell was officially announced and in the indie wire offices ben was very not on the fence about it but then we just kept pulling up other colin farrell movies to shout at him about like He's really good at Daredevil. He's maybe the best part of Daredevil. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, like, I mean, yeah. Come on. Dare, <laughs> come on, Colin Farrell's great. When they announced Colin Farrell was going to be in True Detective, I was in a terrible place. And again, this is probably why I'm in the zone I'm in now where I'm trying to be hesitant about You're, season you are two. Very, you are very, like, neutral, very, like, very pessimistic at this point. Well, I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm pessimistic. I'm just saying I'm trying to rein in my, my excitement because before Colin Farrell was announced, they were throwing names out there like Brad Pitt, and it wasn't like some stupid internet rumor. I was talking to people who were involved with the show who were saying we might get Brad Pitt. Good lord. And I was like, okay, you're setting this too high. Like, this is this bar is... is that is a too high bar. I, I mean, if you're going to put it up there, then you're going to give me Colin Farrell. I'm going to be a little bit unsettled, at yeah. least. So I, I'm, I'm trying to temper my expectations in the hope of protecting myself. Let's just put it that way. That's fair. So 
I mean, I, I, I will say that I'm, 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 I'm very neutral about about True Detective season two. I'm, I think what I think I was, I think I was actually pretty positive about it, and then I read about, read about the the the, the porn stars hired for the orgy scene. I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm going to lower my expectations just slightly, just because I think that's indicative of certain problems with True Detective Season 1 uh, that we, I think we're maybe hoping would be addressed. And, I mean, there's... Look, it's not going to be good for the ladies. I, I don't remember what the exact character description of Lolita Davidovich's character is, but I think it was something about like her leeching off Taylor Kitsch's youth, like she's playing his mother, I think. And it was it was not a interest. It was not a portrait of a fem- It was not a description of a female character who sounded at all comp- very compelling to me as a woman who likes to see interesting women's stories on television. Well, uh, I mean, feminist Ben obviously agrees with you very much. And, yes. Uh, the only defense that I give up is we are only drawing on these things right now because of what I cons- considered misbegotten claims against the first season and. I mean, we're talking about character descriptions. We're talking about, I mean, people who are hired for an orgy sequence that we have no idea the relevance to or even the amount of screen time that will be given to it. I mean, I just, I mean, it's too early to judge things like this. Yes, it's true. For that reason. And the fact that they brought in Rachel McAdams, I think, will be a big helping hand for the series. The biggest complaint that I could field against the first season was that Michelle Monaghan's character... She's not that well developed. She's very much a character in Marty Hart's life and not a character unto herself. My defense for that is that the show is not about her, so it doesn't need to have that level of interest. It doesn't need to set aside that level of time. But if you're going to introduce a character like Rachel McAdams, if you're going to have her be one of the core four, then she absolutely needs to stand out. She needs to be herself. She needs to. Uh, own that and be a character just as interesting, just as important, and have just as much screen time as the rest of them. Right. So we'll see what happens with season two, but yeah, there's a lot of things to be troubled about if you want to look for them. I will say, my favorite thing so far about True Detective season two is something that I know Ben is going to be mad at me mentioning. Oh, God. Which is these re-edits of the trailer that came out. <laughs> the most... Just the most boring re-edit you can no, imagine. No, you don't understand. They're amazing, and you just don't get it. Noel Wells from Saturday Night, a former Saturday Night Live cast member, recut. Um, no, no, no. The, the, Not recut. She literally just used the same footage and threw a song on there without but, editing the song, without selecting a timeline. Just start it from the beginning, let it go. It works better than you think. She did na- First, she did Natalie Brulia's Torn, which was everything I'd ever wanted. And Torn then she- fits on anything. You could yes. use Torn. For, we could put Torn on this podcast. We could. And it would be just as, it would have just as much commentary as it would for the True Detective Season 2 trailer. Oh, Ben. Ben, Ben, Ben. You forgot who edits this thing. Yeah. I, well. <laughs> um, no, but she also followed, uh, Noah Wells followed this up with Fast Car, which was its own special special moment. It was, that was at least a little better since season two seems to be leaning towards the, you know, the highway infrastructure of California and the politics surrounding that. But still, I, I Ben is not a fan of these. Judge for yourself. But, they they were I th- I thought they were masterful. Well done, Noah Noah Wells. But moving on to something that I think Liz even kind of knows a bit about how masterful it is. The number one 
most anticipated show of the summer, returning show. Returning show. Because, I mean, the most anticipated show is Aquarius. Let's just of course. Put that out there. But we'll come back to that later. Well, we'll come back to that later. Number one on the list, returning show, Liz. Orange is the New Black. Boom. We, we're putting that there. Um, we're putting that there because I think of all the shows that, it, that are coming out this summer, it's, it's, it's easily one of the most acclaimed has featured such an amazing it's such an amazing ensemble cast and unlike true detective is unlike true detective we have a pretty good idea that the quality of the of season three will be on par with seasons one and two um and yeah they're not changing things up it's not a whole new story it's not a whole new set of characters not a whole new director yeah absolutely which is a huge issue with true detective season two Frankly, I mean, Justin Lin, I have no worries about, but whoever is coming in after him, which we still don't know. Yeah, because he's only doing the first two, officially. Right, officially. I mean, they have to know who the other directors are at but this point. But they're not telling us. They're not telling us. Anyway, point Orange is, is the New Black does not have those problems. Orange no. is the New Black is coming in hot off of, you know, a, a big awards run. Uh, lots of respect coming in for Netflix. They've got, you know, a new competition to go through now at the Emmys, but I mean that shouldn't hurt the overall quality of the show. I mean, it, it, the thing with that show is that it's it's it, it it's it's only real problem at the awards in awards season is the fact that it occupies this tricky place between comedy and drama. That is, as we've discussed previously on this podcast, leading it to it getting shoved into the drama category for the Emmys, which is going to be, which is probably going to hurt it. Oh yeah, on a, on a to to a grand degree. Yes, but. You know, it has it won the People's Choice Award for Best Dramedy. It won. I think this is the one that really excites me. It won the SAG Award for Best Ensemble, which you know, which is such a testament to the level of the level of quality in there in that cast. And the thing with the with the thing with Orange Is the New Black is consistently since season one. Season one starts off. It's the story of a white lady who gets trapped with a bunch of people in prison, and her struggles to survive. That was season. That was the first episode of season one. Since then, it has evolved into into such a rich mosaic of characters, where you don't have to like everyone. You don't have to engage with everyone's story. And I think season two, the roughest part of season two for a lot of people, I think, was the fact that so much of it became focused around the character of V and her struggle for dominance within the prison ecosystem, especially against Red. Like, that was a thread, that was a narrative thread that took over a lot of the story, to the detriment, perhaps, of some of the under underexplored characters. But in season three, that's... I can't say too much because I have seen several episodes of it in preparation for things, but we're under embargo. But I will say that I will say all, all I will say is that as we're saying like the thing about Orange is the New Black is it has always taken the opportunity to find a new a new a new layer to the people involved and as a result and as a result I think you know it's it, it makes it a safe bet for number one on this list absolutely I, I mean it's it's very hard for me to disagree um, I think Orange is the New Black is, is one of the more interesting shows to track on just about every level from the discussion that's going around based on the individual episodes to the diversity narrative that it helps you know propagate to its award season contention. I mean, that's all of those things make it a show that's very much worth tracking. And getting back kind of to the Emmys, this will be season two that's going to be you know in the nomination process for this year's yes. Emmys. Um, season one 
last year when it was in comedy, I had fully expected it to win. Mm-hmm. Season two, now that it's going to be in drama, it's a stretch to get nominated. Right. So we'll see very much kind of how much respect that show can get going to the other side of the table, and that in and of itself will say a lot about what the industry thinks of not only Netflix, but the genres indivi- like individual to themselves. Right. Which is very important to me because I'm constantly arguing for comedies. I mean, it's just, I don't know. They don't get enough respect. I mean, if we lived in a, if, if the Emmy switched to a system where it was just the top 10 shows of the year, or top 12 or whatever, because they, they stretched the categories to seven each this year. But if they switched to it like that, would that, how would that make you feel? Oh, I'd be... No, that would be terrible. I mean, I just... I don't have any faith in them to nominate more than two comedies. I mean, I think maybe Modern Family and, and Orange New Black might sneak into that system, but I still... I think they'd just add more dramas because mm. it's so much easier to sell a drama as being important and to sell a drama as, as being well-written because they see importance as good writing that comedies get overshadowed. And and jokes are expendable. It's impossible to tell a good joke. It's, it's even harder to to construct one that'll be widely applicable to a lot of different people, let alone fit into a narrative of a show. But, I mean, that's just not a challenge that gets a lot of respect, which has always bothered me. But. No, it's a fair point. I mean, and I think that, that it is it is hard for us to celebrate comedy as much as we might. Like, I've been... I, I, I want to go back and... Want, you know, actually, I'm going to use this as a segue point for us to talk about best thing, next thing. Cause Perfect. We need I, to. We need to, because you guys, you guys have been very patient with us, uh, you know, talking as much as we have about, about television. Uh, fortunately, hopefully you enjoy it. Uh, but next, the best thing, next thing uh, for me, I just finished catching up to the penultimate episode of uh, The Last Man on Earth, which is a show we've been vaguely fascinated by since we began this podcast. It was one of the first things we talked about and is continuing, continuing to be playing with a lot of interesting aspects to the way men and women and minorities and every every sort of thing you could imagine are portrayed on television. Like, it is... There's complexity happening there that I'm really excited to see how it wraps up in its season finale, which aired uh, last night, if you're listening to this on Monday. And But, you know, so far, it's just... It's real. It's just. It is smarter than it, it. It has gone on a journey. It has definitely had its peaks and its valleys, and the valleys were pretty rough. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, but you know, now now that we're in the home stretch, uh, there's clear, there's something going on going on with this show, and I'm I I'm looking forward to finding out what that what it is. I think it's the best way of putting it. I think that's a question that's honestly gone on almost too long for me with with Last Man on Earth in that what is it going to become kind of category. Right. It's a short first season, so they still have a lot of time to develop that next year. But I really, I'm curious, but at this point I'm also less interested than I was when it started. So Yeah. Uh, What about you? What's the best thing you watched recently? Uh, I have almost exclusively been watching things that we've already talked about, uh, including... The comedians, including, uh, I've, I've been trying to catch up on Gotham, but I'm still weeks and weeks behind. Uh, I, I've been watching a lot of stuff that's coming out in the future that's under embargo that I'm not allowed to talk about. Uh, so I'm going to go to a tried and true staple that keeps coming up in conversation this week, in part because Liz interviewed one of the cast members yesterday, in part because I just won't stop talking about it. Uh, everyone needs to watch The Leftovers. 
<laughs> oh, the leftovers. I mean, if it's too sad for you, stop. I don't want to depress anyone. But if you want to engage in something that's just fundamentally big picture, then watch the leftovers. What if if would what do you think would happen to a viewer if they watched the first episode so they got a sense of the premise and then they skip to episode six? No. Don't <laughs> skip. You can't skip. You can't skip the leftovers? No, I don't think you can. There's there's a lot going on in that and it's not about the twists, but to kind of keep up with where these characters are, which is the point of the show, is, is how they react to something that can't be explained and how that affects their faith in not only you know religion but in humanity itself. You have to keep up with it from week to week. There's just too much going on. And there are those kind of exception ep- episodes, uh, including the one about Nora, including the one about the Reverend, where they're almost standalone. But even those come back and reflect the bigger picture to other parts of the story in larger ways. So, I, I mean, I if you if you don't like it, then don't watch it. Like that's how it always is. That's how it but is. But if with you TV haven't now. given it a shot, but if you haven't given it a shot, which I feel is a big portion of the community, then give it a shot and, okay. and don't listen to anyone else because a lot of only, people are wrong. Only listen to Ben when it comes to the leftovers. <laughs> is the moral of today's story? Absolutely, yes. Uh, but Liz, what are you looking forward to? What am I looking forward to? Aside from Last Man on Earth, which you know, which exists in this weird state, place, and same time, you know, and I, I say this. I love that I'm picking two Fox shows. Fox should Fox should send me more more things. Fox and Showtime sponsors of this episode. Yep. Uh, not officially. Tragic. No, no not officially. Not guys, officially. But if you want to send us something, we'll we'll take it. Yes. Um. But Wayward Pines did a preview of its first episode. Uh, for for like a week long like a sneak peek essentially last week and I reviewed it and I did not fall in love with it I had some major problems with how the with it with its execution however in revisiting in reading about the show and the plans for it and everything the thing that I was really I was reminded by was the fact that you know the big twist of the show is apparently going to get revealed at the end of, in like midway through the season so the first half of the season is going to be big, building to this big reveal but then the second half of the season is going to be about the ramifications from that and that is interesting enough to me that I will try to check it out hmm. not before of course I've watched something important like it's stand but <laughs> well, I was just going to say it seems like there's I mean at least some sort of predilection for your interest in bonkers TV well that's 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 a kind of that's a that is a personal preference, but I think also we when we talk about Bonkers TV, I think what we're talking about is the fact that television there's so many there are so many interesting people writing for television now who know the pressure of trying to stand out, who are trying to find unique unique paths to walk. I think is the thing. Like you're seeing a lot of people trying to fight against the signal to noise ratio by doing something different and interesting and. I, res- I I personally just respond to that as a, both a viewer and as a professional. What's it covering this stuff? Makes perfect sense, Liz. Yes, thank you. You've, you just <laughs> nod along, just nod along, and say you agree, and everything's going to be okay. Watch the leftovers. Yes, that's the moral. As long as that's out there, I don't care what else is said. What's ne- what are you next looking forward to? Uh, I'm looking forward to a show that I've been dabbling in and. Uh, has become a bigger topic over the past week, which is Aquarius. Your increasing obsession with Aquarius. Right. It is an increasing obsession. Uh, We've mentioned it a few times on the show already and definitely in plenty of our articles. 
Um, it's it's an exciting time because we have David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson on the same network on the same night. Yep. Uh, this was we knew that before we even knew there were going to be another X X Files. So I mean, we were already we were already excited, and now we're doubly excited. NBC's even excited. They released an actual trailer uh, teasing the fact that they were reuniting Gillian Anderson and David Duchovny. It's basically, we did it first, guys. So you might have a reunion that's official, but we kind of have one that's kind of not official, and they're not on the same show. But if you watch enough NBC, you'll see a connection. Suck it, Fox! Basically, yes. Um, that's not part of our mission, though. We didn't yes. say suck it, Fox. Please, Fox, if you hear this, send us, you know. Yes. The, oh, sorry. Gosh. You know, I got the off sponsor, message. sponsor, but yes. anyway. Important thing is Aquarius, Ben is obsessed. Yeah, and it's going to be released, that full season coming out the day it premieres on NBC is such a huge move by the network. Yes, this binge I viewing, mean, this binge viewing uh, enabling by NBC is fascinating. Yeah, I'm so glad that they're doing it. It's something that needed to be done. It's an experiment that needed to be taken. I feel like they're doing it with the right show because it has enough of an appeal to the core audience that wants to watch live that they should be able to keep getting good ratings doing that, but it also has enough of a dramatic hook that it might pull in some people who really just want to keep going with it and watch at their own pace. Um, I'm very interested to see where that goes, and then obviously Dave Duchovny is going to punch some hippies, and that's going to be great. It's that's all. It's all I look for in life. Absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, and that's a perfect segue into the last thing we want to say to you guys, which is uh, check out our new shows of the summer list. That's out already. We mentioned at the top of this, like pushing an hour episode. Um, but yeah, we've got 15 new shows to get excited about. So if you're already covered on all of the shows we talked about on this podcast then there's new shows coming as well that you can try out we've got all the scoops on those online so go to indywire.com check that out yes because god knows you need more television to watch there's I, not enough i'm looking at your dvr right now i'm looking at your dvr right now i have that capability and i can tell you you don't have enough stuff saved on it yeah i mean really just you know, delete two and a half men you're not gonna watch it you don't need to it ended a long time ago just get rid of that stuff how do CBS you know they have? Important. How, we just we've we've plugged at least one CBS show today. Just one, Liz. I'm not plugging more than one. Oh goodness! Well, if you not only go to IndieWire for that, but continue to go to IndieWire for all of our ongoing television coverage, reviews, features, interviews, all the stuff you actually should care about. None of the stuff you shouldn't care about. We're there to make sure you know the difference. Yep, and follow uh, Liz on Twitter at Lizlet on Twitter. That's L-I-Z-L-E-T. I and an E. Yes. Important to know. And you can follow Ben T. Travers at Bent Travers, which is my new favorite thing now, the fact that that's your your Twitter handle. Getting it. Yes. Ben T. Travers. New nickname. Bent Travers. Uh, And in the meantime, keep watching television.